Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Now is the time to fortify the city. Say that with me. Now is the time to fortify the city. The Bible says in Ezra chapter four and verse 21, of course, we know that the people had been rebuilding the temple. They reestablished worship right in the presence of their enemies. They were nervous about it, but they were more focused on worshiping God. So, you know, you have to do that sometimes. Sometimes you have to take a stand for Jesus right in front of your enemy. And you know what? I would even say you have never really even taken a stand for the Lord in your life if you have not taken a stand in front of somebody that's going to look down on you for doing it. This was the case. The enemy opposes the rebuilding of the city. The enemy opposes the building of your faith, the building of your life founded on Jesus Christ. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to expect uh, adversity. Who do you think that you are that you could go through life without adversity when our own heavenly father had to give up his son to face the greatest adversity ever. He faced it. Do you feel pain? Do you feel suffering? Have you faced some things in your life? Well, guess what? Welcome to the club. You have brothers and sisters here, but your older brother, Jesus, us being adopted into the family of God and he being the only begotten son of the father, he has faced the greatest adversity, the greatest challenge. Hey, if Jesus can do it, if he can pave the way, he was, uh, had no sin. He was tempted in every way, which is common to man, but he didn't sin. He went to the cross for us so that we could be redeemed. If he was willing to go through stuff when he did nothing wrong, then how can we who have done wrong not, being will- not be willing to face the same kind of adversity? You're not too good for it. You're not too safe for it. You're not too bad for it. We are the redeemed. We've been called by God. We've been gifted by God. We've been strengthened by God. Pathway Church, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Let's go fight. Let's go fight. Ezra chapter four, verse 24. So the work of the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped and it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. They did not choose these conditions. The, the people had opposed, and I don't know if you remember in Ezra chapter three and in Ezra four, uh, some of the enemy, remember last week, they wanted to come and help in building the temple and they said, no, this is not your job. And really they didn't say it, but if you read between the lines, they were saying, well, if you wanted to rebuild the temple, you would have already rebuilt the temple before we showed up here. You had 70 years to do it. But now we're here and we're doing it, so let us do the work. And then you find out they didn't actually want to rebuild the temple. They wanted to infiltrate Israel and divert them or subvert them. And so when they didn't get to rebuild the temple, they started writing letters to the king to stop the work. And they succeeded. They succeeded and they had to stop for a while. They did not choose the circumstances, the rebuilding of the temple, the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the city have been interrupted by circumstances beyond their control. And as I read this and I think about this, I go, you know what? We've kind of been in this flow a little bit too. 
because so many things that we have been used to doing were interrupted in the last couple of years. We couldn't pick it. Nobody could stop it. There, there was no power on earth that could stop it. Shutting down travel couldn't stop it. A new president couldn't stop it. Nothing can stop it. There's, there's some things, and let me just say this. There are some things that will happen to you in your life that it doesn't matter how much you love Jesus or how good you are, you're just gonna face some things. You know that by now, right? You know it. So the circumstances were beyond their control. The circumstances are not always chosen, but our response to the circumstance are always chosen. We cannot control. Look, there are environments we can create for our family, environments we can create for our children, environments we can create for our church, for our city, for our friends, but we can't make people other than ourselves do anything that we want them to do. You know what? Let's tell the truth. It's hard for us to do what we want ourselves to do. Sometimes I'll talk to myself self and I'll tell myself something to do. And I start out with good intentions. And then the next thing you know, I find myself wanting to do the very things that I don't want to do. And so now I'm not asking you not to take control of yourself. In fact, lead by all means, but the most difficult leadership is self-leadership. There's no question. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we struggle in controlling. Circumstances we cannot control. A lot of us like to blame our circumstances for why something didn't go right, for why things didn't work out. Airport, for why things didn't shake out a certain way, or why the worship, or why, why your children, why, why, why school, why that job, why, why that sickness isn't going. You can't Stop, just stop, just stop messing with it. You're wasting a lot of energy, a lot of emotion trying to control things that you cannot control. Boy, the hair would go gray a little more slowly it, or go away altogether if we would just chill out on trying to control the uncontrollable. Why don't we just get okay that when things happen, we can just let them happen. And rather than focusing on controlling things that we can't control, we focus on controlling our response to the things that we had no business, no control over. Amen. That's a, that should be a good word for somebody right now. I may have just helped somebody's marriage today. That's a side benefit of today, but it's true. It's true. We can trust in the Lord. We can trust as circumstances come to us. But the circumstances are not the goal. The goal is the goal. The circumstance is just noise, it's environment. We go through it. Um, and so, so we, we focus on our response. So just like Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel had a goal to rebuild the temple, the walls in the city, to worship the true and living God, we also have this goal, to build a life. The goal is to build a life that worships the Lord, a life that is pleasing and acceptable to God. Listen. We love in 2021, 2022, we love to talk about how God is all about love. God is love. How many of you know God is love? But it's like in the process of doing that, we forgot that God is also holy. Somebody really needs to get this today. Well, we're a New Testament church. We only focus on the words. And Listen, do, do we observe things in the Old Testament? Yes, you do. I mean, are, how many of you are a fan of thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal? You don't like things to be stolen from you. I've had things stolen from me before. 
Sometimes while I was on them, when I was 16 years old, somebody tried to steal my bicycle while I was on my bicycle. Fortunately, it happened right in front of the police department. I knew I didn't have to win the fight. I just had to hold on long enough for somebody to come out and whoop them, you know? I had somebody steal the same car two times. And one time it was around 4th of July and I had a bunch of bottle rockets inside the trunk and they thought it would be neat to light off the bottle rockets inside my car. <laughs> yeah, can't control these, can't control these things. We go through these things, we face things. The best thing that we can do is learn to build a life that in spite of our circumstances, reflects God. Well, we don't, uh, we don't want people to steal from us. We don't, we don't want people to, to gossip about us or envy. I just, I just serve a, a loving God. I don't look to that Old Testament. Listen, we are a moral people. We serve a moral God who calls us not to sin. And if it wasn't for the law, how would we even know that we need to be obedient to the Lord and that we would love the Lord? Even Jesus was a good practicing Jew that observed the law. For whatever reason, we focused on love. Thank God for love. Pathway Church, let's be holy. Let's be righteous. We should be holy, the New Testament says, we should be holy because God is holy. Our goal today is that we build a life that follows Jesus and a life that is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. We're not saved by our works, but if you don't do good works, I question whether or not you're saved. There are things that are gonna cause us to wanna sin. I didn't hit him first, daddy. There's something that caused you to respond to hit your sister, to hit your brother, that something that caused you to cut that guy off on the road, there, something that caused you to backstab a friend or to gossip on Facebook or whatever it is. There's something, but listen, there, there is a point where we say, I want to live a life that's pleasing and acceptable to God. It's the same goal as it was for Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel. Let me say, families, children, people in all stages of life, whether you... Uh, have a desire for or are succeeding or um, whether, whether you're coming up on retirement or you're, you're battling failure, you're sick, you're, you're in health, um, you're in junior high school, high school, college, whatever it is in, all people everywhere are called by God to honor him and to build a life that is worthy of the Holy Spirit to indwell. God has called us to rebuild our walls. He has called us to build our city, to build a temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And don't wait to build a life with Christ later, later. It's not down the checklist somewhere. The worship was reestablished in Jerusalem before the temple was rebuilt, before the homes were rebuilt, before the walls were rebuilt. The most foundational thing in your life is your relationship with the Lord. 
Praise God. Thank God for blessing. It was Jordan, man, airport campus. We had some great young men testifying of what God had done in their life at Winterfest. Those are some handsome young fellas. Loving Jesus. Growing in faith. We all aspire for our young men and our young women to be well adjusted and and do well in life. I want my children to prosper. We want the children of this house to succeed and to get good jobs and to work at good schools, good hospitals, to build businesses, to build lives, you know, to have like the dream, the American dream. But listen, the thing that's more important than getting any of those things is getting Jesus Christ. And while I want our kids in our youth group and our children's church to do well, what I really want them, I want them to get married and have kids, you know, we want them to have grandkids, all of those things. But what we really want them to do is to know Jesus Christ. Uh, Man, that's a concern for me. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Yes, we want the church to prosper. Yes, we want to build airport campus auditorium. Yes, we've had some great progress on our children's ministry area. We'll be showing you some of that pretty soon. We've got a lot of great things taking place in Foley campus, you know. Yes, we want to move forward materially so you can see it. But Pathway Church, if we build buildings and we don't build a life in Jesus Christ, we have built the wrong stuff. Don't wait to build a life in Christ. Build now, worship now with enthusiasm, with confidence, with hope, and with a great joy. Let me just ask today, who wants to build a life on Christ, going after him with everything that you have, and you want to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, you want to grow in Jesus Christ, would you just lift up your hand today? Amen. Come on, let's bless the Lord, let's honor him. Let me give you some realities for building and fortifying the city or building and fortifying your life. You want to get stronger every day, right? We want to get stronger. So here's the first thing I want to share with you. A city is best built during peace. Say that with me. A city is best built during peace. Let me show you a good example of that. I've got a picture of the United States or of North America here, and it'll show you, you know, just the vibrance of life going on, you know, all of the things that are taking place. Just take a look at this picture here, and what you'll see is you'll see an outline. Now, this is not a map. This is a picture taken from space, and you can see all of this population density on the East Coast, a little bit less out Midwest, and then you get on the West Coast, you see all that light. That's a lot of population, a lot of technology, a lot of civilization, a lot of advancement, a lot of prosperity that has happened in only 300 years. Isn't that pretty wild? Like if you stop and think about it, I know you can think about some things that you don't like that take place in the United States, but let me tell you, listen to me, I've been all over the world and there is no place that I would rather live than right here. And you know, I mean... Sometimes you grow up in a place and you think, well, if I could just get out of here, let me tell you what, I've lived in some places and we are so blessed to live in Mobile, Alabama. I'll tell people, you know, if you can't get to heaven, at least get to Mobile, you know, now get to heaven, please get to heaven. 
but to stop and get some good Gulf seafood and all of the good Southern hospitality and Southern food. Plus you got the beaches, plus you got hunting, you got the woods, you got things that you can do. The weather changes a little bit. You know, it's, it, it's heaven. People are wonderful. Look around, man. You guys are pretty all right. But all of that happened in 300 years. In 300 years, we became the strongest, most prosperous, most generous country in all of human history. Flaws? Yeah, of course. But boy, that is something else. I know that freedom and the makeup of our republic matters a lot. It matters a lot. Self-determination matters a lot. You're not told what to study. You're not told what field of work. You're not told that you're going to make the same amount as everybody else. You're not bringing everything that you have to the government. We bring a lot, but you're not told to bring everything. And then they distribute back to everybody according to their needs. It downgrades everything. Let me tell you, I'll just tell you right now, communism is a terrible, terrible thing. It doesn't work. It breaks societies. People starve, people quit, people fail, they walk away. All of those things matter, but you can see it. You can see it. Like consider the Dominican Republic and Haiti, same island, right next to each other. The Dominican Republic is much more prosperous than Haiti. Haiti's have been a very difficult place, plagued with corruption. I grew up, so many of my friends were Haitian. I, when I was like five years old, I, I learned a good Creole song. I can, I can speak a little bit. You know, I, I can sing, puissance pam, puissance passe, puissance job, hallelujah, Jésus bon moins puissance homme crasé jabla. Hallelujah. It means Jesus is victorious and the devil's a liar. You know, I love, I love the people of Haiti, but I'll tell you what, if I had to pick my government between Haiti or the Dominican Republic, I'm picking the Dominican every single time. Or take, for instance, North Korea and South Korea. I think we have a picture of this. This is really is, illustrates very well. South Korea, look at all of those lights. Same place, but North Korea, there's no lights. Because government and ideology, it matters. If you had to pick between living in North Korea and South Korea, I'll tell you where I'm going to pick. So these things matter, but how the United States is set up, we're protected by oceans. And so we were able to build all over the place without having other countries come in and savage and destroy. I think this is the first thing that I just want you to understand here, a city is best built during peace. Governance and principles, they matter, but building right in the safety and protection away from your enemies gives you a really great head start. I think that's one of the really great reasons why America has done so much over the course of 300 years. So let me bring this to a spiritual place. To all the young people in the house today, start well and build during times of peace and in safety and protection. This is one of the great blessings of being raised in the church. To everyone in the house today, I'd say start now, whether you're at peace or not. It's great if you're in the protection, safety of the church, being raised up in the house of the Lord, or if you've come in today, this is your first time in the church, you're 45 years old, doesn't matter what happened in the previous 45 years, what matters is that you start now. And then to 
anyone that's struggling in the faith. It isn't how you start that matters. It's how you finish that matters today. Aren't you thankful for that? Can we bless God for that today? Let let me just, I just want to give you five really basic things here. A friend of mine, Nelson Searcy, came to know Jesus. He's he's one of the great Christian leaders, influenced me a great deal about church development, discipleship, church systems, that sort of thing. He built uh, what is known as growth track now. He um, built the discipleship strategy for Rick Warren. He's a church planter, amazing guy. Actually, he invented a barcoding system when he was a teenager and sold it to the U.S. Postal Service, did very well as a teenager, and went out speaking, opening up uh, talks for Zig Ziglar and Ronald Reagan. That's a pretty cool start to life when you're like 14 or 15. He came to know Jesus Christ because he read Billy Graham's biography, and inside of it, it had some very basic instructions. It was basically, you know, attend church, read the Bible, and tithe. I'm going to give you five really basic things, uh, church people today, on how you can build a how you can build a life in Christ. This this is not about salvation, okay? This is about some very basic things about getting in the flow. Christians do these five things. Number one, attend church. Just attend church. But I go to virtual church. That's not church. That's a service. That's a service. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. But don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, number two, join a small group. Write these down too. I mean, this is real good stuff. You have to write. I see a bunch of you in your phones right now. You know, join a small group. Number three, tithe. Bring God the first tenth of your increase. Number four, read your Bible. Read your Bible. You know, we account attendance in small groups. We count the offering, you know, we count anything that we can count. If I could count Bible reading and prayer, I would because it's so important. But please get in the word of God. And then lastly, serve. Find a place to serve. Attend church, join a small group, tithe, read your Bible, serve. That goes a long ways to helping you build a life. I mentioned Hebrews chapter 10, 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Boy, the last two years, I felt like the day was approaching and we were gathering less. I said, this is a problem. We got to figure this out. We got to gather more. Don't. Look, when we paused, so many things, things were different, right? But don't get caught in the habit of gathering less. I'm talking about the small group. I'm talking about church too. But man, have friends that are brothers and sisters in Christ you know, go on vacations with them. Go out to eat with them. Invite one another over. Be, get, get together, you know. Enjoy one another. Isn't it fun being in the house of the Lord? Isn't it fun being with brothers and sisters? It, it's enjoy- Sometimes you just get together. You don't, you don't need to do a Bible study all the time. But it's just great to be surrounded by people that love Jesus. Those are the people we, we begin to look like. Uh, I, I had somebody uh, just this week, they said, you and your son walk just alike. Y'all have the same walk. I said, well, look at that. Father and son, I don't know how true that is, but I do know, I do know, I used to think about how my dad would walk. When he would get in a hurry, he'd stick his thumbs out a little bit. And I thought, that looks so silly that he sticks his thumbs out. When one day I was in a hurry, I was walking, I looked down, my thumbs were sticking out. I thought, what in the world? We just, I don't think that was in our DNA. We don't have thumbs sticking out DNA, you know? 
but I just watched my dad. You're around people. And Marcus is talking about what's happening at Winterfest. Something is resonating in his heart. You know, it's deep calling out the deep. You know, you begin to fellowship one another and we, with one another. We begin to take on one another's characteristics. This is one of the great things about the church. Red and yellow, black and white. Rich, poor, young, old, all of these, these are wonderful. And when we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, then what, when, what separates us in the world brings us together in the church and we begin to resonate with one another and love one another even though we come from different places and God does wonderful things in our lives. The antidote to the world's drama is Jesus and the church being in relationship with one another. I don't, I don't understand older people. I don't understand younger people. I don't like their music. They got the skinny jeans. They always look like grasshoppers trying to put their jeans down. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand these people. Don't worry, you don't gotta understand them. Just get together with them. When we love Jesus and we begin to connect with one another, we stop fussing about people that are different than us and we realize that we're different than Jesus and if we all get closer to Jesus, all of us will look more like one another because we're all looking more like Jesus. Acts 2.42, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the, and, and to fellowship, fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. So they have a long church service. Get together, enjoy, fellowship, grow in Christ. Brothers and sisters, every builder in this house will tell you, and I'm going to tell you today, that if you will start the build right, then you are most more likely to finish the build right. But man, rebuilding a house that's been built improperly, it just takes a whole lot more work. So it's important how we start. The best way to build a peaceful city is to start it as a fortified city. How many of you want to be at peace? You want, you really, you want your children to grow up in peace. How many of you want a better life for your children than what you had? You know what? I, I don't want to be competitive with my kids. I, I am competitive with my kids, right? But not to keep them down. I want them to do better than me. I want to succeed. I want them to outrun me. I want, we want our children, we want to, to, to live in peace. And the best way we can do that is to start out with a fortified city. So don't, don't, when your kids hit like teenage years and they go, do I have to go to this? Listen, let's just settle this conversation. As long as you're in the house, we're in the house of the Lord. So the best way we can do this is cooperatively and to learn and to grow and just settle that battle. I'm just, I have a lot of homework. You'll be okay with the C. You should have done your stuff earlier. We're just going to figure this out. Help them fortify their city. Help. Look, a lot of, a lot of people, listen, being all A's in school doesn't determine your level of success in life. In fact, a lot of A students work for B students. A lot of C students work for the government. No offense to everybody that's in government, but you know, you know what I'm saying? There, there is a very, re- listen, the best foundation, yes, ex- excel in school, excel in school, excel in your jobs, but do not diminish the gathering of the saints together. Start out with a fortified life. Okay, here, here's, an, here's another one. A peaceful city is a fortified city, but an unfortified city is a city under attack. 
Weakness, it invites war. Weakness invites attacks and instability. But a fortified city, a strong city, is a city at peace. If you want to withstand the attacks of the enemy, be in this book. Be on your knees. Love your neighbor. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Give your life to the Lord. Do the work on yourself. And the stronger that you are, the more likely you will be able to stand in your day of adversity. If you come under attack from the enemy, by all means, strengthen yourself in the Lord, in the word, in prayer, in the church. But better yet, before you come under attack, strengthen yourself in the Lord. In your day of difficulty, call out to the Lord. Call out. Some of the greatest prayer meetings you have ever had was right after a diagnosis. Right after a challenge in your life. Challenge in your family. By all means, call on the Lord. But get in the habit of every day talking to the Lord, building that city. Here's the last. The city is always rebuilt during conflict. So keep a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. All of us have been described today. Some of us have the chance to start well. Some of us are way down the road, too far down the road to have the opportunity to start well because we started a long time ago. And so we're starting today. We're rebuilding today. Some of us are under great attack. Our city is under siege. Our life is under siege. And we're going, how am I going to handle this stuff? We're going to rebuild the city no matter what. But if you are rebuilding, you are rebuilding during conflict. There's a reason why you're rebuilding. One of my great friends in life, he first came into my life. Dr. G first came into my life because he had gone through a divorce. No sign, just he and his wife divorced. He had everything they wanted, went through divorce. So he came to my church the very next Sunday, found us online. And he began to rebuild the city. So many of us are like that. We go to the Lord because of some conflict. When we begin to rebuild in that moment, the enemy is working after us and we're uh, working on us and we're trying to fortify ourselves to stop this advance from the enemy and get solidified. I know today that this room is covered up in people that are in conflict today and there's a hole in the wall that the enemy is, is, is you know, pressing on in and you're having to figure out how to fortify that wall while fighting off the enemy. How do you build when someone's trying to tear down your house? That's hard work. You have a sword and a shovel. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter four, verse 15. Now, Jerusalem was being rebuilt coming out of Babylonian captivity by three primary leaders. The people followed them. Of course, there were captains that were down under the leadership. The book of Nehemiah is the best leadership book in all of the Bible. If you want to know how to lead an organization, read this book. But the three main leaders were Ezra, Zerubbabel, and Nehemiah. They were contemporaries in this time, all working together in some way. Some of them were a little bit layered. It's not all happening on the same day, but it was the same project. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans... And that God had frustrated them. So this is further on down the road from Ezra 4 when the building had stopped. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. 
But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side and the trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. It's time for us to rebuild the city. It's time for us to rebuild our lives. The circumstances will never be right. There will never be a perfect moment. The enemy will always be looking to take you out, to take those that are close to you out. He does not want you to reestablish the worship. Listen, we want revival. We want renewal. It's something sovereign that comes from the Lord, but we are the one that creates the conditions for God to work. And for that to happen, we have to reestablish the altar. We have to reestablish the environment that allows the presence of God to move uninhibited. We want him to work in our lives. And we wanna put a stop to the enemy's advance in our lives. For some of us, these decisions will stop generations and generations of abuse, addiction, mindsets. Maybe there's great prosperity, but there is a spiritual wasteland that's going on. And your decision to rebuild the city right in the face of what the enemy does, you are gonna take a trowel and mortar in one hand, you're gonna have a sword of the Lord in the other. And you're gonna fight off the enemy, it may slow you down just a little bit, but you are gonna rebuild the walls, you're gonna rebuild the altar in your home, you're going to rebuild the temple. God will be glorified and the enemy will be defeated. Don't you believe that today? Let's bless him right now. Amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.